You're listening to Hello Francis, a podcast for curious creatives and nano entrepreneurs who seek knowledge, purpose, and community. Hello Francis is brought to you by the creative firm and solutionist agency, Francis Roy. Our lineup of guests, friends, and mentors candidly share their diverse wisdom and experience. We do all of this in less than 30 minutes. Let's get started. Hello, you're listening to Hello Francis. I'm your host, Chantel Dedeke. And if you've listened to the last few weeks, you know that a couple of, a few weeks ago, I dropped an episode um, when I was really, really tired and it was like 11 o'clock at night. And a lot of you guys sent me messages. I am totally okay, totally fine. I think you just have the, the, the mountains and the valleys of life, but you know, as with most things, it did make me want to like reach out and learn a little bit more about my own mental toughness. And it just so happened that a previous guest that we interviewed, Danielle Torley had sent me an email, a message on Facebook. And she was like, I want to introduce you to my husband, which we'd met before, but he did this amazing, like, you know, life bucket list feet thing. And, you know, this theme of like mental toughness, grit, mental perseverance came about. And so that's why our guest today is Rich Torley. Rich, am I pronouncing your last name right? I hope so. Yeah, Torley is correct. Okay, perfect. So before we get into it, will you introduce yourself? Like, how do you, when people are like, Rich, who are you? How do you, how do you describe yourself? Uh, yeah, good question. Yeah, thanks for having me. First of all, um, it's a real privilege to come and talk to you today. Yeah, I'm from the UK. I met Danielle when we lived in the Middle East together. We were in Dubai at the same time. And then uh, she brought me over to the States. So when she was transferred here for a job, and uh, I've been living here ever since. And I became a citizen four years ago. And uh, I've been living in D.C. and now in Florida for the last, uh, this is the seventh year we've been living down here. And I would probably say, I mean, I'm, I'm an engineer by trade. I, I work in telecommunications, so cellular engineering. I have some military background and I try and do endurance things as like a pastime. Uh, we have three kids, so it's a great way for me to escape. Not escape, that's the wrong way, but just to give me, a, give me some space uh, when I need it. And uh, yeah, that's, that's us. Well, we are big fans of Danielle and you and I and Danielle had really met for the first time at Rock Out Climbing Gym several years ago, almost five years ago, maybe four years ago now. And your family is just super fun and adventurous. And of course, I got to learn and our get our listeners got to learn a lot more about Danielle and her life through her TED Talk experience and her interview. And so if she sends me something and she's like, this is worth it, I am so super intrigued. And I started to read into this ultra marathon that you participated in, in 2015. And I'm going to try to not butcher it. It's called the marathon to solve or the MDS is Am I saying that correctly? How would you say it? Yeah. So, um, I, I mean, if, if I'm talking to my friends here, I'd say marathon de sables, which, uh, it, I think, uh, the correct pronunciation is marathon de sable, mm. uh, probably butchering my French there, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's a race based in Morocco which is French speaking. And it was uh, born of a French guy, Patrick Bauer, uh, who decided, I'm not exactly sure why he decided to do it, but he took a 12 day trek through the Sahara desert. So in Morocco, um, everyone knows Casablanca, Marrakesh, Rabat, but in the South West corner, sorry, excuse me, Southeast corner of Morocco, there's like a huge stretch where it, it really is the, the Northwestern part of the Sahara desert. And that borders into Algeria. So it's it's a very empty space. 
And he went off trekking for 12 days um, with just the backpack on his back. And, and that was pretty much it. And that, from there, the race was born and it was really his child. And it started off with just a few people, a few elite runners from around the world. And then it's grown from there. And now we're in its, must be its 35th year, 30, yeah, 35th year this year because of COVID last year. And uh, now they have about 1,200 people that run every year. That's incredible. And the length, it's six days. It's six days, 251 kilometers. Is that? Yeah. So it's, um, yeah. uh, So it converts to about 150 to 155 miles across six days and roughly broken down with a marathon each day. So day one marathon, day two marathon, day three, and then day four will be a double marathon, but you'll get 36 hours to complete that. And the other 12 of that, of that fifth day, 24 hours is a rest day and then it finishes on the final day with a all-out marathon the the it's a it's a really interesting race because ultra marathons tend to be you know one day events that um and, and maybe a little bit longer but they tend to be you know one to two day events that will just be from you know start to finish and it could be 50 kilometers 50 miles 100 miles and even now there are some 200 mile races out there this was a little bit different in that it's it's a stage race. So it added a little bit more to it from my point of view with respect to how you manage yourself. Um, you know, you're not running just the whole time. You're, you know, you're doing a marathon and you're coming back to, or you're moving from, the camp is moving from day to day, but you're living off everything in your backpack. You're carrying everything to survive for the week. So the only thing they provide is nine liters of water per day and what they call a Berber, which is uh, it's a, it's a traditional Moroccan tent, uh, which is two sides. I think it's made out of goat. I think it's made out of goat hair uh, traditionally, but it's a it's a long tarp essentially with two sticks holding it up in the middle, and then it will be uh, guide down on the side. But it's so it's closed off on two sides, but it's open on two sides, and then you'll have up to eight people and living in that same space. And then that camp moves day by day to the end goal. So you'll start you know point A and then. 150 miles later is the, is the finish line. That's incredible. And I'm going to say it because I know that you're probably too humble to say it, but it is, it is coined the toughest foot race on earth. Is yeah, that- so that, that is something that the Discovery Channel coined uh, to the race. Probably, I think it was in the 90s. They, they said at the time it was the toughest foot race on earth. I, I, I'd say there's some others now. Bad Water 135 springs to mind. Uh, Hard Rock 100. Western States 100. There, there's some really tough races out there, but it, it's definitely up there. It's definitely up there in my view. So your experience doing this, I know, you know, we want to create this bridge between, you know, what it takes to complete things that just push us to our limits. And I was doing a little bit of research, you know, and I came across this article where there was a study on West Point graduates and just that really it's not enough to have talent and intelligence and genetics. There is a point where consistent mental grit or mental fortitude is really what pushes people to do extraordinary things. Was that something that you experienced and how did you train your brain? I think to get into that, that space, I am so interested. Yeah, it's, that's a really great question because I, you know, when you're, when you're doing it, or certainly when I look back on it, I just say to myself, well, I just did it. I mean, I, I mean, it sounds really blase, but I mean, it, I set a goal and I just went about achieving that. And I don't, I don't really think that I did a postmortem of really dissecting where 
the milestones were of, you know, what this stage looked like or what this phase looked like. And, and certainly, I think part of what you're describing, though, some of the things that come into, you know, the equation of, or the formula of grit really comes down to motivation, too. So, and I had some very direct motivation from knowing that other, other people that I'd served in the military with were also doing this race and close friends of mine happened to, it, I mean, it was a complete coincidence for the majority of them, but one of the guy was really kind of pushing me, hey, you should register for this. I know you've wanted to do it for a long time. And, and that was the other thing too, is like, there was a desire, you know, I knew that I had one shot at doing this. I had wife at home with one small child and we had another one on the way. Like, I know that the opportunities of doing this is not something that I can throw away. So I, that there was a strong desire there combined with motivation and then just not wanting to let myself down. Um, at any point. And I certainly had to run through, you know, it, it, all of the, the training was by far the hardest thing, you know, just running through injuries, questioning time commitment, trying to figure out equipment, clothes, food. Do I take a, a stove with me or do I cut down on the weight and just eat cold food? Like those are all questions I had to ask. And I just had strong buy-in from myself as like, look, this is your one opportunity to get this done. Don't let it go. And so I think, you know, in terms of that perseverance side of the, the grit side, it really comes down to, to me, it came down to desire and, and motivation and, and support, of course, right? I mean, I don't know how many people could support you multiple times of trying to do this kind of thing. And I had the support and I knew that everything was coming together. This is the stars were aligning and this was the one shot I had. Mm -hmm. I love that because interviewing and speaking with you and Danielle separately, that to me is a theme in your partnership is this support to do great things. And, and you guys are like a lot of couples that I know you have three young children, you have a new dog that's driving you crazy. Like you have jobs, you have, you have all of these things, but I'm so glad to hear you say support because you do need the partner that understands that your success is their success and that it really is this group effort to push, to push through. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I mean, I, uh, and, and the, the funny thing is about that is there doesn't necessarily have to be a mutual understanding of what the other is trying to achieve. So with Danielle's Ted talk, I mean, I, of course I knew the story from, from when she was a child, but I didn't, like doing the TED talk is not something that I would personally go and do is I, I, you know, I didn't, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, even she's tried to give me, she tried to ask me to do this presentation on this race multiple times. And I've, I resisted as long as I could until I was really <laughs> forced into the corner and I had to, you know, Worry I had to down. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, and, and, and likewise, you know, it's uh, with the TED talk too, uh, for her, it's um, like I say, I, I didn't, you know, that's not something I would do, but I knew that for her, it was, going to bring her story full circle and, and you know she doesn't have a strong running background she does run occasionally but she knew how important it was to me and just supported that and yeah that's been great you know I mean and of course our children now um, are a little bit older you know we have a four six and eight year old our the youngest two probably not so much but you know our oldest now understands you know what um, personal dreams are starting to become and so it's uh, it's good to get her support too. That's fantastic. Well, I, I want to go back to what you said about motivation. And you know, as I read a lot and think a lot about my own personal motivation to achieve long-term goals and, and the listeners for our podcast are really 
they're in an entrepreneurial space, which can sometimes feel like a lifelong marathon I that you never get a vacation from. I mean, obviously I'm not a runner, but you know, there is this uh, consistency that's required of you to be motivated because you're usually motivating others. But what did you develop any sort of like special habits in preparation for the race that you feel like are applicable, but maybe even not because um, they don't necessarily have to be applicable, but just daily habits or daily consistencies that helped you prepare. Yeah, I, I did. I did. And, and, it, and it was something that evolved. So, at the, you know, dur- during that process, because I think at the, at the very start, so, so here was the deal. So the race is usually the end of March, early April, and then the entries open approximately a year before. So actually on this occasion, it was around Memorial weekend the year before in 2014. And, I almost don't know. I, I, I've always wanted to do, I say always, I, for probably about a decade, I'd, I'd known of the race. I've always wanted to do it. I knew it was going to be one of those things that was really going to test me. So when the opportunity came up, I just, I took it. I knew I had a friend doing it. So it was on a whim almost, no planning. I was coming off an injury anyway from another race in the December before. And so I was like, hey, you know, let's let's do it. And then almost immediately, Prior to my injury, I had entered a 50-mile race in, in D.C., up in Northern Virginia. And um, we just moved down here. And I was like, well, look, there's a great opportunity for a proof of concept. If I can get that 50 miles done on no training, whatever it took, I knew that I could. I was on the right path here. So I flew up. Um, I did the 50-mile race on just a 5K run I did the day before. And it was really tough, really, really tough. But I knew I need, I, I guess in hindsight, I had to go through that process to know mentally that I'm not going to be in worse shape than that, you know, in a year's time. So if I can do that, then obviously I, I felt like I could do the rest. So there was that initial proof of concept of the idea. And then I then developed a training plan off that. And I set myself monthly mileage targets and weekly mileage targets. And I didn't care what the miles looked like. There was no set time on them. Uh, you know, some, some of them I just walked. Some, you know, some I ran really fast. I made some days shorter, some days longer. I didn't really care. I just had a weekly mileage target to hit. And I just checked that box every week. And I would look back on that on a, on a Sunday and the next week. And that, that was kind of like, a, you know, my, my routine. And I would just give myself those check marks. And I would make it a visible tick mark on a, on a wall chart just so I could see what I'd achieved. Because I... I felt at some point there was definitely going to be some weeks where I felt worse than others. And I just wanted to visualize what I'd achieved to that point. And albeit knowing that there was so much left to do, but at least you could see the progress that you'd made. And look, you know, back in May or prior to May, I hadn't run at all for the previous five months. So, you know, like that, that was just great motivation for me and just sitting back on that. And then I would reward myself if I hit that target, I would have a couple of beers on the weekend. For the, the reward, you know, small reward. But then, you know, as I was running more and more, I, I listened to a lot more podcasts. And, and so, you know, just every now and then some motivational quotes would come up and I would write them on my mirror, uh, on my bathroom mirror. So every day I would look at it and go, right, yes, just, you know, get after it. You know, that, there it is. And there was definitely times when the wheels came off. I'm thinking around, you know, about three months into the training, one of the, I started to listen to noises of other runners that were, you know, there was forums, Facebook forums and so on. And then uh, Strava is like a, a tracking app where you can track all your miles. And someone had created a, a leaderboard for weekly mileage and, and then hill target, you know, uh, elevation targets. 
And that to me, at the time I thought, well, this is great. You know, I can see what everyone else is doing. I can kind of ballpark where I am because I'm a fairly, I, I suppose I'm a fairly competitive person by nature. So it wasn't just enough for me just to do the race. Of course, the goal was always to finish it. That was my first goal. But deep down, I had desires to do quite well. I had my own personal targets. So I'd kind of gauge where other people were at. And that allowed some negativity to come into my training and my approach to everything because I would see what everyone else is doing. I'd start to second question my approach. And am I doing enough? You know, living here in Florida, there's no elevation, really. I mean... I have a four foot dip down the road. So my elevation run would be eight, eight feet, you know, on a, on a typical run. So, you know, some people living, you know, in um, the hilly areas of England and, or even, you know, out in Colorado and they're knocking off thousands of feet a week. So you start to question those kind of things. And then in the end, I, I let that dictate my training schedule. You know, all of a sudden I'd go out and find, I'd go off and drive and find hillier areas, which in some ways is good because now it's exposing me to a different terrain, but it, I wasn't ready for it. I was doing too much of that too soon and starting to fatigue in other areas. And then I was taking more time away from, from Danielle and our, and our child at the time. And so that was having a knock-on effect. But going through, trying to find the way back to where I was, you know, I reached out to a couple of friends and just really kind of zeroed in on, on what the original goal was, which was to finish the race and kind of enjoy the process. Mm-hmm. And then around November time, I really started to knuckle down on my strengths and what I could achieve within that training period. Like what, what would I consider at the end of training to be a success? And so that was where I came back to. Wow. I think that there's some really great things there, Rich. And it's like you were showing up no matter what that looked like and just kind of breaking through and understanding you were going to have very high performing days and then maybe days where uh, you were walking. And that's so relatable for every human being. I think no matter what they're trying to achieve, what their passion to achieve is, what that result is. I mean, yours is this super impressive, you know, uh, six day marathon, but I think it can be something as simple as someone starting to work out or exercise for the first time and just having training their brain to show up no matter what that end result looks like for them, it's a success because they're doing it um, is huge. And then we've talked a lot about that comparison is a killer and you just completely validating that, that, you know, that's why I think of my, my kids, they're in their twenties and social media is so huge right now, but it also is this platform for comparison and it can make you feel like you're not enough and it can push you to burnout in really quick ways that maybe I didn't experience when I was a kid. And so to hear you say those things is just completely validating for everything that we've been thinking and talking about around here. Yeah, I think um, and I see that. I see that a lot more. And, you know, just in just in our, you know, our household, you know, you see the same things is you do see, you know, with things like social media or, you know, so-and-so is doing this and so-and-so is doing that. Well, I mean, it's great. I mean, families are in different situations, you know, maybe, maybe they don't, both, both parents don't work or they don't have three children or, you know, it's, or they, you know, both of them work and they have three children or more children and being able to, I think time is one of those things that um, really kind of works through that process is being able to talk to, you know, whoever about that. But ultimately, if you don't, you know, if you're not able to give that attention, you know, people can get buried into these rabbit holes and very difficult to get out of. I think certainly the, the comparison thing was, is a tough one because it's always easy to measure yourself against somebody else or try to measure yourself against somebody else, but you don't know what's happening in their world. 
and, and you know, and, and they may be at that time of life in, in the form of their life, everything's going their way and nothing's going your way. And, and certainly, you know, during this, this training process really kind of magnified that whole thing for me because you're in it at the cold face, right? And every day, you know, even just like you say, just showing up and it's the same. I see at the gym that I go to, you know, we have people that show up, they come for a couple of days, they, they see someone else finding it easy, but they don't know that person's been going consistently for four or five years. And so they give up. And so um, it's a tough thing. On, I, I suppose the business world is kind of the same. I work in a small business and we just have to keep plowing on day after day. Some days it's thankless. Can't imagine what that would be like if, you know, I had my money on the line with that and how I would feel the drive would be different. But certainly, you know, I can see that comparison. If you're a small business owner and looking at someone else having a successful business and you're stuck into a five-year lease, not knowing how you're going to make the payments over those five years. Yeah, I can see that and, and how you go about doing that. But I think having a plan is is probably the first and is the first step. I mean, and, you know, it, and it's like Mike Tyson says, right? Everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. Right. <laughs> it's such a great quote. I love it. Terrific. So, it, and it's true, but you have to have a plan. Otherwise, you know, you're just going from day by day, not really having any direction. Well, and the agility and the willingness to evolve, I think as well, because once you get punched in the face, something is going to come next. Either you're going to quit or you're going to make some tweaks and, you know, you're going to continue on. And, you know, I think to me, grit is that passion to achieve long-term goals and consistency is just everything, even if it's small pieces of, but you know, even if it's just like small little feats every day, but you're consistently achieving them, that certainly it's okay that it looks different for different people because we all have different types of goals. I mean, it's, not my goal to ever run um, a single marathon. I'm just going to be real here. But, you know, I have other goals and our listeners have other goals. And I, I think what's so strong about your story is that you can accomplish really surprisingly great things by making small tweaks and, and keeping yourself motivated and kind of fighting the good fight every day. Yeah, and if I can try and if I can try and pull that back into to the process of this race, I think, you know, especially during that that year of or the ten months of preparation, you know, there, there is also the other side of it. It's not just about training; it's about equipment as well, right? So, and and I suppose thinking back on that, I you know, I think a lot of people kind of didn't really pay attention to that until probably three months before the race. And, and, and some of that's practical because you don't know by that point if you're even going to be able to be able to run the race. You may decide to drop out at that point. But for me, I knew that, you know, trying to break down the cost of the race and spread the cost of that over a period of months, I knew that along the way I would have to, to make purchases. And each time I did, it was kind of recommitting to the, the cause, if you like. I knew that, okay, well, this month is a big purchase. I'm buying a, you know, a $400 sleeping bag. Well, now, you know, that really kind of, and I bought it specifically for this race. I, you know, I better be at that race now. And so along the way, I was making those kind of statements to myself, but there were other times where I was, you know, I would buy something else and it would maybe be like a pen knife, but it would be the lightest pen knife on the planet, you know, trying to keep the weight down in my backpack. So, you know, those little things gave me other reasons to keep going because I was, you know, it wasn't just focused on the training. I was having that mental break into other areas where I can kind of geek out a little bit on 
on equipment or on nutrition, on, you know, drink fluids and, and so on. So that whole time it was kind of repurposing me towards the goal and not just focusing on the difficult part, which really was putting the miles on the ground. I feel like that my husband's going to listen to this and go, see, I told you I needed that sleeping bag. And I, <laughs> I'm going to be like, no, 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 you're right. But I think it does certainly illustrate how you were invested in multiple ways. Um, your time, your resources, your, your money, the time that you spent with your family. And those all became a part of this formula that allowed you to achieve this really incredible goal. I am certainly inspired by your story. I'm inspired by your whole family. I just love your little family. I love them. They're, I love Danielle and I, I love how you guys found each other and how you support each other. And for me, this is, you know, just, it's so 360 listening to, to you after, after listening and learning from her. So thank you so much for the time that you spent with me. You're more than welcome and uh, happy to talk about it further if you ever want to. I do. I, th- I feel like people are going to be like, can we learn a little bit more? We need a part two. We're going to need a day by day break of what that looks like for you. But such an incredible story. And I've certainly learned a lot and have been inspired. And I know our listeners will as well. But if you have any questions for Rich, so Rich, thank you so much again. But if you have any questions, questions for him or questions about the race, I feel like you're going to get weird questions about like, what did you eat every day? I don't know. I don't know what to expect, but I have a spreadsheet for that. So, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. What have we done? They're going to weighed weighed out by grams as well. So I can do that for you. (laughs) They're definitely going to ask for that, but please email us. Hello at francisroy.com. We'd love to connect you. We'd love to answer some of these questions. Thank you for listening. And Rich, thank you for being with us again. What a great story. So yeah, thanks for having me, Chantal. It was a real, real pleasure. And uh, like I said before, real privilege to talk about this. And uh, you know, thank you for showing an interest. Yes. And we will be back with you guys next Monday. A new guest, a new topic, or some other crazy thing. We're not really sure what it's going to be yet, but it's always fun. So thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.